From Welcome Villain Films, the studio that brought you the horror hit Malum, as well as Beaten to Death and Hunter Killer, comes their newest nightmare, Mind, Body, Spirit, now available on digital. Directed by Alex Haynes and Matthew Miranda, and produced by Dan Asma, Mind, Body, Spirit follows Anya, an aspiring yoga influencer, as she embarks on a ritual practice left behind by her estranged grandmother. What starts as a spiritual self-help guide quickly evolves into something much more sinister. As Anya becomes increasingly obsessed with the mysterious power of the practice, she unwittingly unleashes an otherworldly entity that begins to take control of her life and her videos. Now, Anya must race to unlock the truth before her descent into madness threatens to consume her mind, body, and spirit. During its festival tour, which stops at Chattanooga Film Festival and the Unnamed Footage Festival, Mind, Body, Spirit garnered praise from critics who call it a found footage version of Hereditary and a knockout found footage horror movie for the live stream era. Experience the first ever yoga-themed found footage horror film and don't miss the film viewers have called extremely frightening and upsetting. Available now on digital anywhere you rent or buy movies online, including Prime Video and Apple Plus. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about Wix. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to LinkedIn.com slash results to claim your credit. That's LinkedIn.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. What is The Briefing Room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com. And welcome back to Scarred for Life, the podcast where we open up old wounds by looking back at the films that scared us as kids. I'm Terry. And I'm Mary Beth. In each episode, our special guest brings with them a movie that traumatized them as a child. 
This week, our guest is Suzanne Kiley. She's an actress and writer whose credits include Ash vs. the Evil Dead, Light as a Feather, and Leprechaun Returns, among many others. She was also the screenwriter for last year's witty and fantastic Slumber Party Massacre remake, which is currently available on VOD and will be given a physical release tomorrow as of the publication of this episode. Welcome to the show! Thank you. How did, I didn't even know that. How did you? How did you know? <laughs> I didn't that? Even know, man. I get I get emails sometimes Ooh. and shout. It's like it's coming out February first. So <laughs> nice. Yeah. Uh, so thank you so much for doing this. Really excited to chat with you. Uh, but one of the things we like to do at the start is kind of take it back to the very beginning. How did you get into, introduced to horror? Okay. So um, I guess I would say, or yes, is that um, I was terrified of everything when I was a kid, just everything. I couldn't watch commercials on television for horror movies like trailers or TV spots. I, you know, children's stories that had villains, I couldn't listen to because I was so terrified of any like bad, bad thing. I grew up Catholic, which I think might have something to do with that. And I was also really terrified of like being possessed, like the devil was going to come for me because I was bad, you know, and I, so I went to a Catholic, I went to, had to go to church every Sunday and I went to a Catholic grammar school and Where'd you so that was up? really ingrained in me in, uh, New Jersey, okay. in, in, um, Northern New Jersey. Oh, cool. Okay. And yeah. And, uh, in a, uh, in a town near, Usually the, the town people know in northern New Jersey is like Hackensack. Oh, mm-hmm. Okay. Anyway, so I um, would have to, I c- could never sleep. And so I remember telling my mom once, you know, I was like, I don't know what to do. I go to bed and all I do is think of scary things and I, so I can never sleep. And, and she, her advice to me was, well, it's because you're trying not to think about them and you're, and because you're trying not to think about them, you think about them mm-hmm. more. So if you let yourself think about them, then you probably will stop thinking about them. And so I took that a little overboard and started sort of embracing all of the things that scared me. So I started, if there was like something scary on TV, I would just force myself to sit down and watch it. If I, there was something in a book or whatever, a story, I would force myself to, to, to like see it through to the end so that I could embrace everything that was terrified me. And then I, you know, could move on. So that's, I sort of forced (laughs) myself to start watching horror movies and found after a while that I really loved them. So, do you remember, like, the first movies you watched that, like, you started watching to push yourself into horror? Gosh, you know, I don't. I I have such a terrible, like, memory of, like, when Mm -hmm. and what I watch, which is why, like, when, you know, we're talking about the, I don't know if we want to talk about it yet, but, like, the, you know, the movie that, when you asked me about it, that's the one that immediately came into my mind, um, because I, it's, I, I just remember it's so clearly and I remember being so terrified by it but I must I remember more um just religion scared me the most so Uh so um so anything so I probably watched those the least but no I don't really remember specifically um you know the movies that I ended up I, I loved or or um 
Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I can tell you ones that I, you know, that I love and remember, but I, I couldn't tell you the order of or why. So what are some of the ones that, that you remember really loving as a kid? Uh, well, Poltergeist. Oh, uh-huh. It's a good one. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I feel like because we were not allowed to have cable, I feel like a lot of the movies I watched were a lot, you know, older, mm-hmm. probably like a decade older, and um, that I would watch on like late night television. Yeah. Um, my my parents were divorced, and my mom started working, and then she started dating, and my brothers went to live with my grandparents. And so I was home alone a lot. And so I would just, if my mom would go out, I would just stay up and watch like random <laughs> things on television. Right. Yeah. I, I think I had, a, I had a similar childhood in the regards to the cable where I, I, I never had cable. I didn't have cable until I was a freshman in college. Like that was the first time I'd ever had, oh. ever had cable. So I understand that sort of like late night, you know, trying to catch whatever you can on, on television aspect for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, so, 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 like, what were some of the movies you really loved watching? Like, do you remember? Oh, right. Oh, I started to say that, yeah. and then I just drifted onto something else. <laughs> I'm so sorry. No, it's okay. Yeah, I was, like, reminiscing, and then I was just, like, <laughs> I remember, like, sitting on my couch in our family room watching, you know, TV and didn't even say what it was. <laughs> um, I said poltergeist and moved on. And I, uh, what else? Oh my gosh, what have I, what did I watch? <laughs> Do I remember loving Time Bandits? Oh, Time Bandits, yes. Oh. That's a wild one. I guess one. that's not horror. There's some yeah. kind of horror things um, in it. I loved, I remember loving uh, Leprechaun when I saw it. I, I love, like, I, I love, like, showmanship in a movie i love a monster and i like i you know what mm-hmm. i mean i love a good i just love showmanship in general and so like anything that's just like out there and bizarre is really i really uh appreciate so yes like something like time bandits that it just goes off the rails right. is is you know something that i really appreciate what oh, oh i remember this like uh 70s movie that really scared me it was called um, Race with the Devil, which was Peter Fonda. That name is so familiar. Not Peter Fonda. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Which is, uh, I weirdly, it was on um, like TV recently and I rewatched it. Um, and uh, what? Oh, no, I don't know. I'm just yeah. hemming and hawing. I don't, I don't know. Uh, what will happen, because this always happens, is about 10 minutes from now we'll be talking about something else. And then I'll start yelling out movies that are really... <laughs> That please I remember. Do. That happens, please do. Yeah, please. Because now I just feel like I'm saying really old movies that weren't like I don't I don't know. And now I'm looking. I was like, I wrote stuff down. Did I write? Oh, oh, Gremlins. Gremlins. I actually wrote stuff down. So were you a child of the eighties? Okay. Yes. So was I. Yes. Yes. Oh yeah. Look, Dead Zone. Oh wow. Fright Night. Fright Night. Uh, Love that one. Fright Night. Yes. See, I did write stuff down. Oh. Yeah. All right. Yeah. April Fool's Day. Oh, we just watched that, both of us, recently. And Buffy St. James. What a queen. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen it in so long. Oh, it's ridiculous. It's, it's incredible. It is so much yeah. fun. Oh, Tremors. But I guess I was, yeah. A lot of Tremors like monsters. Big, I see definitely favorite. that monster influence there and like the kind of. The I love big, a monster. Mm-hmm. So was that when you were a kid? Is that what you kind of gravitated to was the monster movies? 
I think so. You know, anything that was a little bit like outlandish, outlandish was um, more, I, I could appreciate more because it didn't, anything silly didn't scare me as much. Mm-hmm. Or like I said, I grew up Catholic. And so I, I couldn't watch, like I didn't watch The Exorcist. Um, I think, I think they saw it the first time when they like re-released it. Oh. Mm-hmm. In like 2000, yep. like in the early 2000s, I think was the first time I ever actually saw it. Cause I was, I still a little bit, I'm just like very afraid of being possessed. And so like anything with a cult, like a, that like has a, even if it's not necessarily possessed, but like a, a, a cult aspect to mm-hmm. it, anything where someone can like steal you or make you a different, you know, Possess, possess you or make you a different kind of person is terrifying to me. Mary Beth could relate, especially as, as a kid, because you mm-hmm. had that similar fears, didn't you, growing yes, up? Yes, I was raised Catholic, sort of. Yes. And my dad was obsessed with, like, demons and exorcisms and stuff, and he was, like, freaked out by it. So <sighs> I got kind of that, like, that fear from him. And I still am a little bit nervous about it. I don't necessarily believe in it, but that it's imprinted on my consciousness that, like, it's probably not real, yeah. but I don't want to play play with it if <laughs> Don't want to fucking find out, right? Fuck around I don't want to fucking find out. Exactly. Like, I'm not trying to fuck around and find out, as they say. Like, I just need to <laughs> leave it alone. Yeah, because once, if it's true, and you're, and, you know, you're taken, it's over. So best just keep it, you know, like, stay away from the, the Ouija board, just stay away from anything that could, you know, Meanwhile, take I'm just over like, your consciousness. Let's go grab a Ouija board. Let's go do some seances. Let's go do all that crazy stuff. I would rather be killed by a monster because at least it's over. Right, right. You know what I mean? It's just over. I, I don't like, but I don't want like my, I don't want to be rotting in some like eternal horror. Right. I just, uh, I don't have the constitution for it. It's understandable. Yeah. Uh, so as you grew up and became an adult, what, what, yeah. what draws you to horror now, Vice, when you were a kid? I think I just hung on to that love of it so much. And, I, you know, I, I, I kind of, I, to me, horror is like going on a roller coaster. You know, I love feeling, <laughs> feeling stressed out. I love that rush, yeah. you know, and to me, it's sort of like I get a rush, a safe mm-hmm. rush in a way. Like I can be in a theater or be at home and be scared. And, I, you know, I still watch movies with my hands in front of my face and I just sort of peek out in between my fingers because it truly like, I get so scared. And, um, and I love that feeling and it's a safe way to feel scared. And I and I think the world is, you know, scary enough that that with it. That, it's anxi- that to me is anxiety, like the real world is anxiety inducing, but this is sort of a fear that I can have for this amount of time and I get this great rush out of it and um, and then I can move on with my day. No, I love that because it sounds like you still get really scared at movies. Like you didn't lose that I childhood do. fear that I feel like a lot of us have at this point, like in our lives. Yeah, you know, I... I feel like there was a period of time where I started to get jaded about a lot of things and movies especially. And, you know, I, I remember, um, years ago, I, I don't remember them. Actually, I do remember, but I won't say, but there was a movie that I saw. It wasn't a horror movie, but it was a movie I saw and I hated it. And I remember going to, I, you know, work and being like, oh, I watched the dumbest, worst movie I've ever seen. And this woman was, and I, she's like, what was it? And I told her, and she was like, I loved that movie. And I'm like, oh, it was so dumb. <laughs> and um, 
And then afterwards, I felt, I was like, why would I say, why would I rob someone's joy? This woman really got something from that movie. Like, who am I to take that away from her because I didn't like it? And clearly I missed something because it was meant something to her. And so I try to be more open-minded about all of the movies, you know, anything that I see, just because I'm like... There, maybe there's something I'm missing if I'm not coming in from a place of like, all right, show me what you got, you know, like <laughs> yeah. entertain me. Yeah. Uh, and so I'm, I try to be more open-minded about the things I go in. And I have to say like having, you know, my, uh, 12 year old stepson, I also try to be really thoughtful about, well, you know, he's really into Marvel mm. movies and, and so we watch, all of them and um you know if there'll be there might be something that I'm not super into but because it brings him so much joy I have found a joy in movies and things that I you know d- didn't think that I could so so when it's fun, you know when he gets scared you know that we get to sort of like watch things and like hold on to each other because it's we know something scary is going to happen is still like sort of makes me scared again that's you know? awesome cool. I love that feeling yeah. do you remember the last movie that really terrified you <sighs> there's a few but the one that it is a f- couple years old now but hereditary was so terrifying take a drink <laughs> listeners <laughs> yeah it's like at least 50 percent of people say hereditary because it's true because that mm-hmm. movie is fucking horrifying i david my husband and i were in the the theater at the time and i and like i said i i watched so many horror movies and i remember at one point like turning to him and saying, like, I don't know how much more I can take of this. Yeah. And he he was like, I know, I know, we can go. I'm like, no, no, I'm going to see it through. But it was so, I mean, and it combines, like, I mean, just, I don't want to spoil, spoil it for people that yeah, haven't seen it. it. But, it's like, fine. you know, <laughs> I mean, like, it was, I, like, you know, you said that you've seen so many horror movies, it's hard to be shocked. And I was shocked. Oh by that scene when the little girl loses her head. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And then like the amazing, uh, the, the son, like just sitting in the car is like, yeah, oh. driving. And I was like, yes. Like what else? Like the shock, what else would you do? If, like was, and the scene, how do the you scene just... where he's listening to her find the body in the car. Oh my mm-hmm. God. Like, are you kidding me? Like I feel nauseous. Just <laughs> Because it, it's the like, I don't think anyone was ready for that movie. I feel no. like we're all like, it'll be fine. And then it happened to all of us. And we were just like, that was gonna be a creepy kid movie. That's what I thought it was. Yeah. And then they bring in some weird cult and they, they throw the like, you know, possession thing at me. I'm like, this is everything <laughs> that terrifies me. Yep. She's spider exactly. crawling across the wall, like it's cutting just... off her own head with <laughs> and then that head, head. And then the head flying up into the treehouse. Just so it much. It sounds so crazy when you talk about it out of context. Because, like, it makes sense in the movie, but you say it, and you're like, this sounds like hot, <laughs> like, hot mess. Like, we were all on gibberish. acid or something watching this movie yeah. is what it sounds yes. like. Yes. And the t- like the tone was so amazing. It just, it really was like, oh, this is, this is not, this is new. Yep. And uh, I was just, abs- yeah, so that really terrified me. It's funny that everyone, I'm glad I'm not, it's not just yep. No, that one comes up me, a lot and know. so does Terrified. Have you seen Terrified, the, uh, no, the Spanish language s- one? 
I'm writing this it's down. It's on Shudder, if you have Shudder. It's, um, oh, I do, yes. It, that movie okay. is the other one that comes up so much, and that one is a, a kick to the face. Yeah, that's a, really? that is one that I had to turn the lights <laughs> on. The that was one I actually had to turn <gasps> the lights on when I watched it. And I don't do that anymore. Ooh. Yeah, it was fucking crazy. Maybe I'll watch it tonight. It's a good one. Let us know what you think if you do see it, because I. Yeah. It's it's a it's good. It's golden. It's so it, I'm so pleased. That's the nice thing about talking to people. To, you know, uh, people that enjoy horror and movies in general. So, you know, I, I I like I said, like I've seen so many horror movies, and then there's so many I still haven't mm-hmm. seen. You know, there's just it's incredible, and just and subsets of movies I haven't seen, and people will men- mention a movie. I'm like, I've never. Heard it. It's like I have so many on my radar that I need to see, but there are some I haven't even heard of, and I and I. So it's so exciting when people tell me about a new movie because I feel like I know everything, or I'm like, oh yeah, I've seen that, I've seen that, or oh I'm not sure I want to see that one, but yeah. So I get very excited when I hear when I'm given a new a new title. <laughs> it's a good one, let me tell you. Yeah, someone told me recently. A friend of mine told me about a, a movie, and I highly recommend it. They're talking about monsters. Um, it's a Russian movie called Sputnik. Oh, yeah. Yes, I was just talking about this oh. with my fiance last night. That's so funny. Oh, it's like, yeah. I watched it. Oh, a it's good wonderful. One. What like a good It's so good. I just wanted to cuddle that thing so badly. <laughs> I just wanted to give it a I little know. hug. But he was so bad. He was and, so bad. Um, he was so cute. He was so bad. You know, I know. You know, that's the worst when cute things are bad. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's the worst. Uh well that, that just remind, reminded me of something else we were saying about um oh, one of the thing one of the I mean I thoroughly enjoyed that movie, but that opening scene was so wonderful to me because it's just these two guys in the space shuttle or whatever it is. And, um, having a conversation that doesn't seem like it's about anything. And it's like about everything Mm -hmm. that, that to come in the movie. And I, I just, I love when, when, uh, movies are capable of doing like entertain me in just a random scene that, that means everything later. So yeah. Anyway, everyone should see it. I agree. Um, okay, so the the creative side. How did you um, start? How did you get interested in writing um, screenplays, acting, doing all that kind of creative stuff? Yeah. So, so uh, the writing part, I, I feel like was was narcissistic because um, I came to Los Angeles, you know, because I was like, I'm going to be an actor, make a living acting, and um, that didn't go well. But um, but I. Did do so, you know? I I found myself at one point in a theater company, and I was new to the theater company. And there were a lot of writers in the theater company, and they would write um, plays, and they would give out parts to the other other people in the the theater company. And they weren't really giving me parts as I was new. And I thought, well, I'm just going to write my own stuff and cast myself <laughs> as the star. And uh, so I did. And that's kind of how I started, like, that's, I always enjoyed writing. I was always, always loved it and would, and would write poetry and, and short stories and things. And, um, but you know, writing's hard and it's, and it's, um, hard to motivate. And so putting, (laughs) seeing myself on stage was real motivation to write and finish things. (laughs) (laughs) It's really narcissistic. And then, and I, so I, and I would tend to write like things about like, this was more, it wasn't horror actually. It was, it was, um, more comedy, Mm -hmm. but, but with, I always had the sort of like this religious bent about it. Like I, I remember writing once this play about, it was like a short play about, um, this woman going on a blind date with Jesus and he was terrible. (laughs) 
And that sounds awesome. I need that. It's incredible. That's an incredible thing you just said. <laughs> it's a terrible first date. And, um, and so I wrote, and yeah, so I would sort of write like, weird things like that and then um I did a lot of um improv and and sketch comedy I, I um I would took classes at the groundlings mm-hmm. and I did, had this like two-woman comedy show for a while and Ooh. yeah it was really fun and and um and I got to travel and and all these things and I and um but I wasn't making money so I I started I got a job working in reality tv oh, okay and oh. yes I you know worked on a show called The Apprentice oh Whoa. <laughs> yeah and so that was interesting yeah I can imagine and, um, I don't usually talk about it because I'm like I, you know yes but um, and then I w- got this got this job sort of producing this reality show in New Orleans, and um, was called like Thirteen Fears Real, and it was you know people you're supposed to scare people in New Orleans. I, I was so unhappy, miserable. It was like in the middle of the summer in Ooh. New Orleans. It was so hot. so hot. It was so at one point. I remember it was like midnight, and I'm standing in the swamp, and there was a termite swarm and the thing is which i didn't know is you shouldn't scream when there's a termite storm because when you open your mouth they just come right in no so that was bad and then at one point there was like a thing where there were i sort of helped produce the finale and there were only a couple contestants left and we were on this tiny island in the middle of the swamp and it was like four in the morning and I foolishly was like, well, I want to see who wins since I, you know, produced this episode. Yeah. And so I was standing at the edge of the swamp island, tiny swamp island. I think I had been there for 14 hours already. And, and nobody else was there because the, the camera people, everyone was following the other contestants. Uh-huh. So I'm like, I just want to, I want to be there when whoever get you know, wins. So I'm standing at the edge of the swamp, complete darkness. Oh, no. And every once in a while I hear this like splashing. Oh, no. And I click my flashlight and I would just see a sea of red eyes in the spot and I would remember just like clicking my flashlight and be like well I'm gonna die for <laughs> fucking reality TV at the end of a 14 hour shift is, on reality TV yeah I was like what the fuck am I doing and so I'm like this is not where I saw oh myself my God. I'm I have I was covered in bug oh, bites I can only like, imagine dear like one point I had to go to the the hospital because I was talking to the construction guys because we were building this like fake pyre to burn people alive and um, all the guys that the local guys were like going like oh look at this big bug bite look at this one and I was like well look at this one and they their mouths dropped and they're like you need to take yourself to the hospital (laughs) right now and I was like no no it's like they're like, that's a problem. I mean, I remember going, driving myself to the hospital, and I'm like, I'm going to miss the burning. But I took myself to the hospital. I remember sitting in the emergency. I was like, I got bit by a thing. And I sat in the emergency, and they like wheeled this poor person in, like you know, on a like a gurney. And they took me first. Like, it turns out, like, a spider bite is worse. I guess, I don't know. Louisiana spider bite is worse, like, the poor person on a gurney. And it turns out, thankfully, it wasn't, I guess, one of the bad ones. It was just really bad. Anyway, this is my long way of saying. I remember 
thinking on the boat ride back to base camp that I didn't want to do this anymore. And that all this time that I had been acting every time, you know, on stage and between these gigs, people would always come up to me afterwards and say, well, like, what else have you written? And everyone was ever like, let me put you in my movie. They're like, you know, what else have you written? I'm like, maybe I've just been not, the signs have been coming. (laughs) I have not been taking them. I am going to embrace a new world. And I, on the plane home, started writing a feature script, I kid you not, about a reality television producer on a swamp (laughs) island and that gets attacked by zombies. And she ends up using... She was so unhappy being around producer. She ends up making her own horror zombie movie with the zombies that have attacked the island. It's very weird. That's awesome. But at any rate. Wow. Wow. So oddly, yes. So I did all this like comedy and, but I immediately, my first thing was like, no, I just, I just want to write horror, which obviously if you've seen anything I've written has a big comedy bent to it. It definitely does. And I am curious because you've, you've written on Ash versus Evil Dead. You've did Leprechaun Returns. You've done Slumber Party Massacre. What is it like kind of playing in all these different franchises? It's really fun because they're all franchises that I I loved, I you know, and 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 had already loved and so it was it was such great luck, true fortuitous timing that that I was in the right place at the right time, whether I knew it or not, to to be offered these opportunities. And so um and I and I have to say it's it's you know, having written things that weren't based on IP, uh, written uh, by a franchise, um, to my, my own ideas, there is something nice to, to it's challenging because you, I want to honor the material, mm-hmm. but at the same time, it's nice to have, there's certain things you don't have to set up anymore. Right. I know who my monsters are. Yeah. You know, I know, I know what their rules are and I kind of know the, you know, the people around them. So it's, so there's, there's sort of something nice about it that that's already a package that's handed to me that I can go, okay, well, I know what that is at least. Now I just have to create the world around it. So what I love about Slumber Party Massacre is that this is the uh, it's, I'm technically fourth movie that is a Slumber Party Massacre movie, and they're all written and directed by women. And yeah, that's, that's cool, fucking right? awesome. Yeah. Um, so can you tell us just a little bit about what, how – about this remake and what it's sort of what it's about and what you were trying to do with it. Okay, this is one of those those fortunate that, uh, things that the um, executive at Sci Fi that I'd worked with before on Leprechaun and a movie um, that I wrote for them the original called Killer High. I don't know if you've seen it. Yeah. Talking about monsters. <laughs> <laughs> There's a killer warthog mascot monster. That's amazing. <laughs> Anyway, so see, I'm terrible, right? You asked me a question and I just like, I was like, I was just thinking about something else. So I'll talk about that for 10 minutes. I love it though. And then you'd be like, anyway, Summer Party Master. I'm like, I don't know. Did I, I, I don't think I wrote that. I'm like 90. What's that? You wrote the movie, Suzanne. I did? When did I do that? Oh. Are you sure? <laughs> yeah, that sounds, does that sound like me? I don't know. Um, it's been a long few years. Yes, yeah, sure as hell has. 
Yeah. So, Summer Party Massacre. What can I tell you about it? Or, or writing the, the this one. I what, what, what was your question? How did it come about? No, you, you didn't ask me how um, it came about. I just wanted to talk about that. <laughs> well, I, I, that is another part I wanted. I was curious about. But, no, I was asking, um, what is it about so, for our listeners? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> the, the one I wrote. Yes. The, the one that you wrote. Just the franchise. It doesn't matter. <laughs> we, we, you're not going to get the answer you want, so it doesn't matter. You can start just asking me what you want. You're not getting that answer. <laughs> Let's talk about French fries. Um, French fries are delicious. They are delicious. What's your favorite, I love what's your favorite a fry. kind of French fry? You know, huh, I love, what are they, does it, what's the ones, I want to say, it's not, I mean, I love a curly fry, but that's not my favorite because I find them a little cumbersome to mm-hmm. eat, but um, you have to like pull them, you it's do. work, it's more work. Yeah. I just like a thin fry, okay. but I don't, does the thin fry have a name? The McDonald's, like McDonald's fry, fry is what I always call it. The McDonald's fry. It's the McDonald's fry, but not necessarily like a, like like a, a steak frite. Okay. But not well, a steak like, fry. Like a, like, a like, shoe, ones, like a shoestring fry. Oh, I love a shoestring. Yeah. That's not what I meant, but uh, but yes, I, I changed my answer. <laughs> shoestring. Okay. Shumper Party Massacre. Yes. <laughs> so um, this is a movie about a uh, a group of friends that can I we can t- talk about spoilers now sure. if you haven't seen it yeah. that's on you right yeah. you, no, well, we can well actually <laughs> listeners if you haven't seen you don't want to spoil it we'll kind of put time cards in here so you can jump past but oh that's nice yes yeah, so it's a, a movie about a group of friends that decide to um, go to the go to. We don't know this at first, but it's about a a group of friends that go to a place where this murder was years before to find the killer because they suspect he's still alive and to take him out. And they succeed, yet they discover that there is um, something even worse lurking in the woods. That's not a great... That's not a great. I'm a terrible writer. I don't know how to. I feel like that got there though. But so right? when you were, how did you want to like make your script loyal to the original, but also your own thing? Like, what was that process like for you? Yeah. So you know, I always, obviously, I always like re. Well, like I said, I, I, when I start, I've been very lucky that the things I, I've got to to write, um, I've already seen and already fans of. So I. First thing I do is go back and watch and kind of take some notes and 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 um, and, and things will immediately resonate for me, you know, about about a script. Oh, like I could let that would be interesting. And you know, the thing with Russ Thorne and the Driller Killer is he's um, like his his uh, weapon. It's he's got kind of very specific specific pattern. There's not a lot. He doesn't have a big pattern. He sure doesn't. Yeah, and so I thought, well, like maybe. You know, sometimes like the 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 most important thing really around a killer are the are the people because you know beyond beyond the monster is you know the people that are confronting the monster whether they know it or not and um, um, whether they're prepared for it or not and so I think it's always important to start with like who are the characters that I'm going to you know put in in harm's way and and um, what are you know what are their intentions and um how do i you know what i mean what 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 makes their journey of dealing with this monster interesting and and you know i um uh lost my mom in 2017 mm, and so thank you yeah and so which is very challenging for me obviously for anyone but um 
So that has kind of in the last few years really sort of um, uh, informed where I've been coming from, yeah. from, from a place like, I, it's funny, like if you look at leprechaun returns or I, I was like, we, when, before I went preparing a little bit, obviously not very much for this interview. Um, but when I was sort of looking at my bevy of work, no, I, I was like, <laughs> wow, if you look at it, it's really all about these poor women with like no moms or like, you know, mo- like moms that have had some issues, a lot of dead moms, but, but, um, <laughs> And how they deal, you know what I mean? And there, and 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 so with this, I, you know, I, I kind of went, oh wow, like I, I, I want to start and honor, you know, I want, I want to start with what happened, like something that happened in this place, and and um, and sometimes, by the way, it's like I when I'm particularly because the budgets, you know, in these movies are smaller, you know, I'm sort of there. I've been very lucky that I, I'm also told like you have free range, like just we don't need we don't really like I'll be like this is sort of what I'm thinking and I get to like just do go ahead and do what you want and so I've been very lucky in that way um but sometimes often I you know in the process of that will be like hey but you know what we got this location (laughs) so go ahead and write it around that you know Mm so so I, so as much as I get free reign, there's also some limitations. And so, um, um, in this case, I knew that, that kind of where they wanted, were hoping it to be at a location. And so I, I already had that and, and I thought, well, I really would like to sort of honor the original in a, in a way, obviously not make, I, I tried at first really being like, like making it a lot of, but it just... It was too, too, the decade was, didn't quite line up with, so I just sort of went, I'm going to redo, kind of redo, I get to the chance to redo it, make it the 90s. So, and then I really liked the idea of not just a group of um, young women that, that go back, but, but that have a real, trying to really right a wrong for, for a reason. And and particularly because of what happened, you know, like to, to, like a mom that that hasn't been able to move on. And, And I, and a character that thinks like, Foolishly, because she's a kid, mm-hmm. you know, regardless of how smart she and her friends are, they're kids and, and they have this sort of like grandiose idea that they can do with what the women before could not, and particularly her mother, and, and in the process save her mother from, from the, you know, the life that, that she right. is, the sort of small life that she's living. So I kind of really loved that sort of a place to start and then immediately I, I thought, you know, all right, well, again, because, you know, what we talked about Russ's palette, I thought, well, what happens if, you know, if I'm talking about, you know, women and starting from this place of women, I wouldn't be in- interesting if like, well, what's Russ's story? Like, how do you end up that person and having mm-hmm. them and being like weirdly obsessed with women and carrying this drill? <laughs> and I thought, well, your how you grew up might also um, having it was probably a bit really informed the 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 bad man you've become, right. and so I thought, well, would you know his parents be, or you know, in particular his mom be, you know, in that case, uh, you know, just as much a villain, and um, and so that sort of the first things that sort of came to me and then I started to kind of put it together, you know, with those ideas. One thing that I really loved about this is that the women actually have agency, which in a lot of slashers, I don't feel, I mean, I think that's changed a lot in the last, you know, 20 years, but like particularly I I rewatched, I had never seen the original 
um, Slumber Party Massacre until I watched it the weekend that I was going to sit down and watch uh, the remake. So I was curious to see what it was all about. And I wanted to see kind of how you would take an original concept and, and kind of remake it and make it your own. That's one thing that I noticed in that other one. There, there is definitely some, a feminist bent to that, to that film, but I also think that it was operating at a year at a time when you had people were like, Oh, you know, you got it. These are the things you have to include in here. And so what I really enjoyed about your remake is that the, the female characters have agency. And I also love the inversion of the, what would a, a stereo, we always see like the stereotypical, what people think of happening. At a, at, a, at a girl's slumber party and then you have the guy slumber party and that scene just killed me it just killed me I, you know it's you know i Danishka, love her you know who directed the movie gets a lot of props she i mean obviously but she i mean she really took what was on the page and made it her own her own you know wonderful amazing thing you know and my head, you know, I, I originally, the, the way I kind of saw it, I always think it's funny, you know, men that, that are, um, you know, sort of are, are like very like macho mm -hmm. guys. And then sometimes you like, particularly like in college and you see, like, see them do these things that are very, like, are, are very, um, what's the word I'm looking for, but, the, um, like they're always ripping their shirts it's off, very you know, and I was like, very homoerotic, and they don't see it, you know, and so it's always funny to me. They're oh, just macho. I'm like, no, I mean, sure, but that's not very sexy in a way you don't think. And so, you know, I just sort of started as like uh, men that don't realize that what they're doing mm -hmm. is is you know very sexual, and and then Denise get really, really goes for it. It was for it, and and to and and uh, you know, I just I remember she sent me like a a little a snippet of it. That I think the day that they were shooting, or the day after they shot, and I was just like jumping yes. up. Yes, <laughs> I was so excited. I bet that's really cool being able to like see your words like get translated on the screen. It is. It really is, and I and I um, feel so lucky too that the the you know the actors are are so. Um, were so good and had such great game. timing and very game and uh, and so that's so fun for me you know and like I was like God I, you know I see I hear this joke or I hear this thing in my head like I hope they get it and then I see it and I, they did or did their own thing which was even 10 times better than I could have imagined as I was so exciting but yeah you know the first time that happened to me which was so thrilling was when I got to um on Leprechaun Returns, see a couple of the casting mm. tapes. Mm. And so before, you know, while they were casting, um, and that was so exciting because I was like, oh, they were, they're, you know, they're saying my lines. Yeah. That's so cool. And, um, yeah, so that was such a, uh, it's always so, for weirdly, that's almost even better because you get to see, like, different people say it and their different takes on things. And, and sometimes what's nice is like, it's not the final, you know, like I'll, it's, they'll be like, well, we're casting, but you haven't done your, or I haven't done a rewrite or whatever. So it's, it'll be funny to like, hear something. And I was like, Ooh, ooh no, I'm going to change, change that. that. <laughs> not, that is not landing. Mm. That's so funny cool. in my head. <laughs> mm. Okay. So we've chatted about your horror history and your incredible creative work. 
But Suzanne, what movie did you bring with you today for us to discuss? Ooh, I brought a movie from 1973 called Don't Be Afraid of the Dark. Hell yeah. So for those of you unfamiliar, here's a brief synopsis of the film. Um, A young couple inherits an old mansion inhabited by small demon-like creatures who are determined to make the wife one of their own. They sure are. They sure are. (laughs) They really. It's exactly what they do. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Okay. Their job. Yeah. Give us your horror story about this movie. Why is this your Scarf for Life pick? How old were you when you saw it? How did you see it? I want to know. Set the scene. Tell us everything. Mm. Okay. So, uh, as I said, I have... Don't remember anything, but so I, I, I don't remember how old I was, but but I it is the movie that, like I said, when you asked me to pick a movie, I was like, it's this one, and it has to be this one because, and so I don't know when I saw it. My good assumption would be one night when my mother mm-hmm. was out and I was home alone and I was like flipping channels and and this was on, and um, it just it I you know it, it I. Remember being so terrified of these voices oh, yeah. whispering to this woman and nobody believing her. And there and she's like, doesn't and so she doesn't she isn't sure enough to leave, you know, she she doesn't believe and and she's this idea that there's nowhere to go and that these like tiny things that nobody else sees are are um constantly coming for her. There's no rest if there's a shadow she's fucked and so yeah i i just remember and and i just remember like being dragged like i just oh. the scene that was with me is being dragged down the stairs and um yeah and i and and so it was very interesting to revisit the movie and and see it again and and see what um if that's still like if it still sort of resonated for me did it it did, and it 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 did in a in a way. I it was very. I had such an epiphany about it because it was. I was like, of course, I was terrified of this movie because it it hit all of the things. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, as a as a kid, it being like I said, like being alone in a house for most of the day, right. or you know, I guess I went to school at some point, but <laughs> but um, often alone, you know, where I would come home and and um, I would you know make myself something to eat, and I, I would walk home from school, I would you know get a snack, I would sit in front of the TV, I'd do my homework, and I just like wait for my mom to get home, and I and I also remember being never being believed about oh. things, you know, it's like, and always being sort of like, oh, I'm always overreacting, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I feel like that was always a big thing with my family is I made too much of things. I was too sensitive. I was too, you know, yep. and so I was like, of course this terrified me that I've, I've so connected to this woman who has this terrible husband, <laughs> <laughs> terrible husband who's obsessed with work. Yeah. You know, and and puts that above her immediately is not like, well, maybe there's something weird about this house. Just immediately is like, you're crazy. You're trying to ruin my my chances, my, you know, my life. So be quiet. And like and um, and her having to be like, all right, but I know some my better instinct tells me something is really wrong. And 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 shutting that aside, because you know, people telling her she's crazy. Mm-hmm. You know, I think the casting in this is actually really good because uh, the actress that plays the main character, I need to pull up. Kim Darby. Yes, Kim mm-hmm. Darby. You know, she looks very 
she does not look like an adult. She comes across as like a 17 year old. She's very young. And I, you know, I was looking, I had to look up their age and she was, she was in her twenties and her husband was in his late thirties. He doesn't look like he was in his late thirties. He looks like he was in his forties, but a lot of men at that time at that decade looked a lot older than they actually were. But, but that combined his kind of looking older combined with her younger, I think makes her being like the perfect kind of proxy for kids watching this movie because she doesn't look much older than you are, than you could be, you know? Yeah. That's a great point. Yeah. Because I was, I was so staring at her. Like right. at first, first I was like, she looks like Linda Blair. Cause she reminded me so much of Linda Blair. Yes. And then I was like, yes. she's also, she looks so young. How? And I, I, I literally had to go look her up to see how old she was when she was filming this. Cause like, she doesn't look like she's out of her teens very far. You're right. And you know, um, you're so right. That didn't even occur to me when I watched it. I was like, God, she does. She looks so young and she's very, like, she doesn't really have like a lot of makeup. She looks very like anybody, you know, she doesn't look like a movie Mm -hmm. star. She doesn't look like an actor. She looks very like this young woman with, with, you know, and these fabulous caftans. And like that (laughs) ginormous house, like it's like a, it, the creepiest, most haunted house-looking house to ever house. Like, it looks like a gothic nightmare. Mm-hmm. But it's... Oh, my God. Yeah. Exactly. And then... But it's really cool on the inside. Like, I was getting big Suspiria vibes from, like, especially oh. the bathroom scenes and some of the lighting. Like, it was mm-hmm. so interesting to see different parts of the house looking a range of different tones from, like, weird kind of mod bathroom to, like, very old-fashioned living room and dining room. It was just a very interesting house that's way too big for two people. <laughs> yeah, it was a cool... And it was her grandmother's. And that was the other thing, too, that was so bizarre to me. Like, what a shitty grandmother. Her grandfather was sucked into <laughs> this, like, tiny person hell... And she boarded up and was like, I'm going to leave it to my granddaughter and not fucking tell her. By the way, no matter what, like the fabulous house just like never opened. Just never no. opened. Never. If anything's ever like <laughs> nailed in. shut or covered, like just don't open it. It's, it's that way for a reason and you don't need to find out why. Just leave it. Let it be. Especially if the, the, the old handyman is like, do me a favor. Do, but like, why didn't he just say like... Yes, I know you'd sound crazy because he's like, if I say it, what's happening to that that's, poor that's woman? My, like, that's my question that I, I had watching this because, like, I was I was watching with my roommate and we were we were both a little irritated. Like, why don't you just tell her? Because if you had if you had told her, but then I was like, okay, but really, what is he going to say? You got to keep that close. There are these little tiny troll looking mole people that are hiding behind there, and they're going to get you if you open it. Like, would you really believe? Would you believe them, or would you would you would you tear it down anyway? No. You know what? No, but at least he could be like, you know what? There's like a gas, a weird gas leak. <laughs> so just you're better off. And that's why I hold up because there's something weird. Like he could have made something better up than like, just don't do like, it. There's I mean, like poisonous you know, snakes or some shit in there. Like you don't need to open it. Like it's, yeah, exactly. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, he could have, cut, but you know, in fairness, it's, it's not his job isn't to come up with, you know, no. fake stories. I, I, I do think that if, if someone tells me, you know, those bricks are cemented four deep and reinforced with iron bars, I would be like, OK, <laughs> yeah. part like, of me would be I like, OK, I'm never going to touch that. But the other part of me, I'll be honest, that the part that wants to go play with those Ouija boards and ta- hold seances would be like, let's open it up. What I if know. there is something in there? I love that she... But, like, she's so meek in this movie. This is the one point where she's like, I do what I fucking want, and, like, bashes it in. And she's just like, 
well, it, she basically figures about her own destruction, but at least it's the one thing that she's able to do. But then at the same time, it kind of, it can also feel like women meddling in things. Like, this is what happens when women take things into their own hands. They get carried away by the mole fairy creatures into the wilderness. It's very, yeah, she didn't listen. She didn't listen exactly. to her husband. She's unruly. She's not, like, listening to the men who told her. Yeah. This movie is so... I was just surprised at how much it was like women are crazy <laughs> or like not even that, but like how people yes. think of women as crazy and like don't ever believe them and treat them like yeah. garbage. But that's what I think is also so great about the movie is it is. Yes, it does have that. Like, yes, it's saying women are crazy, but also they have a reason mm-hmm. to be. Yeah. And we're not. And like you weren't listening. You weren't paying attention to what she you just assumed she was nuts and uh and and you know what now you lost your wife and your house probably you know good luck with it and i love like he sort of turns at the end where it's like oh oh now that you know i can't get in and the designer is dead <laughs> that poor guy you know one of the other things about the movie that that we had in my in my house growing up in new jersey we had those um wall they weren't like, it's not like a, a wall heaters, you know, like that, that just, they were small and lined sort of one wall of, of the rooms in the house. And, um, and they made these weird oh, yes. banging noises. Yep. Yep. And so that to me, you know, was another reason that was so weird. It's just like, I, it was always this, you know, thing like, is something living in the walls? Because it would make, and it would always go on at like the weirdest times, like the middle of the night. And you know what's so funny is I, I have this, I remember when I was a kid having this terrible dream of a black cat opening my window and trying to get in to get me. And when I rewatch this movie, what is that first weird thing they show? It's just a weird black cat. And I was like, oh. This movie really affected me. It's like nailed its way, like weaseled its way into your subconscious. It said forever, it will be part of you. Yes, yeah, and I and I also had like a very domineering grandmother. She was a challenging, a lovely but challenging woman, and and very challenging with me in particular. And um, and so I was like, it's no surprise to me that the movie that really stuck with me <laughs> was one where the grandmother's legacy is. Is a horror. Is a night. You know what I mean. Like the grandmother leaves her a horror, and with with little regard for what it might actually mean for her, it literally steals her soul. Like I was like, you just you just wrote this for, for you. young Susie Kylie. <laughs> Be scarred for life. Okay, I, I there's a couple things that that have brought up that I really want to kind of hone in on. One of the things that I, I don't remember which one of you said it, but talking about how he goes, the husband goes from like zero to 120, like immediately he, I, the, the scene that there's a scene where he's like, see things my way. And she's like, well, I guess I'm going to have to. And he's like, okay, how about some dinner? And it's like the, the way this movie feels so of that time period is, is, is ridiculous now watching it. However many years beyond because i am terrible at math what is it like almost over 40 years almost 50 years now by this point and just like that dinner scene where he sits down with her and he's like do you want this for me this partnership and she's like of course i do it's everything you worked for and then she she tries to like reason with him saying it's just it's all consuming i wish you had more time and energy 
And what's funny to me watching this was his his response about like saying like, well, I will have more time. I promise. I just need to get through this. I need to go to San Francisco, get this promotion, and then I'm going to be handling this trust fund. And I'm just like, okay. I'm not hearing any time for your wife at this point because you're going to get this promotion. You're going to be the one handling this trust fund. Yeah, you're going to have plenty of time at that point. But it's this all-consuming need for him to have success. And she is just like attached to him because at the dinner party later on, there's the one guy that that says like, uh, what was the line? Oh, how does it feel to be with someone with a husband with a great future? Yes. Like, it doesn't matter what she's interested in. doesn't matter anything about her. It's like you have a husband who's making big things and that must be great for you. And I'm just like, wow, this this movie has like has this point of view. And I and I do feel like it is sort of kind of critiquing it in a way, in a way that surprised me for a movie in the 70s. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I was. Yeah. I mean, perhaps we're just taking that from it and it wasn't the intention, but I do, it did really feel like that was, I mean, of course it's commenting on it. The, the, it's this, you know, this woman really is being tortured and, and, um, you know, and, and, um, you know, I remember like when you were saying that, I remember at one point she thinks it's mice Mm -hmm. or, or rats or something. And that is even like, he can't, Mm-mm. It's like, oh, she's overreacting mm-hmm. because there there might be a mouse, you know, in the kitchen. Anybody would freak out if there was something living in the kitchen. It, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, at no point someone's like, well, it must be like, you know what? Let me call. Let me get a, I'll ask around for a good exterminator. No. Like he just, it's all like from the get go that she's just, she's, you know, a problem. Well, and, he's, he's, oh. and meanwhile, lucky for him. You know, she's brought a home to them. And then he's like, oh, I wish it was a condo. He really was really into a condo. Yeah, terrible man. I'm sorry. No, and I was going to say, like, his whole thing is the dinner. He's like, well, are you going to be able to do the dinner? Are you going to be okay to do the dinner? Don't forget about the dinner. And it's just like everything revolves around that. And like her ability to be a hostess and her ability to do all of the things for him and his coworkers, not always like whenever I watch movies from like this time period where like the woman makes an elaborate dinner with multiple courses and like beautiful place settings and perfect wine pairings and everyone's just lounging and smoking and she's in the kitchen. It's like, that was a way of life, like hosting dinner parties like that. And you, one person were expected to host all of your husband's friends and feed them. And if you didn't do that, you were a bad wife. Like, Yeah. Yeah, and and you had to be entertaining. Yeah, and like maybe I don't feel like doing it this week, and I'm you know. And then she ruins it. It's yeah. well, ruins yeah. it. So I mean, yeah, yeah, on top of it. Ru- well, she didn't ruin yeah, it exactly. I mean, like were- she was attacked. Like, and I was thinking in my head, I'm like, wouldn't someone else feel that fucker underneath? Like, they're not, they're small, but they're not that small. I feel like, and like yanking out the napkin, and like I was thinking in my head, I'm like, well. Just let them yank the napkin and ignore it. But like, could you really ignore it if there's something like by your feet, like tugging things out of like off of your lap? No, and they're then, horrifying to look yeah, at. Yeah, they're like, so creepy. Yeah. Exactly. And she screams, and they're like, she's and this is her husband's like, do you have to go somewhere and you put on medication after you screamed right. in the middle of it? <laughs> his whole his whole response to that was like, there was nothing there, nothing. And then his immediate response after that is, maybe you ought to go to a doctor. And then he says that he's going to take her by her hand and lead her inch by inch to see there's nothing wrong 
wrong with this house cut to the and this is where i think the movie is is doing something to like kind of critique this is that it cuts to the creatures climbing up the stairs at right after he's talking about how he's going to lead her inch by inch so there's nothing here cut to creatures crawling up the stairs to torment her more it's like Ah, it's it, and that's why I do think that there's some like proto feminist fears in this movie where it's like, you know, the sub basement of like as a metaphor is being excavated. The ghoulies are literally telling Sally what they're going to do to her and then they do it and no one listens. No one is there to to save her. The only people that know that she's telling the truth is the audience. There's like a lot of that kind of stuff in here. And I also think there's there's a little bit of it kind of talking about the changing role of women because she's not the sort of prototypical 50s styled housewife she's like having questioning she's like she's saying like well what if there's more you know i yeah i have this house my husband is working he's making all this money he's having all the success but like i'm not really happy and she says this she says this to him she says this to her friend joan whose (laughs) response is like (laughs) why don't we go spend their money Okay, but Joan is, like, my favorite. Like, she is a real friend. Because she didn't Mm -hmm. believe her at first, but then she very quickly was like, you're fucking right. And she was pushing back against the husband and being like, there is something wrong. And, like, like, you don't see a lot of those kind of positive female friendships a lot of times in movies back then about, like, women supporting other women and defending them. It's always, like, their friends turn against them. So seeing something about women, like, really supporting each other like that was badass and made me really happy. And, like, she's a good friend. Like, that is the friend you want on your side in a horror movie who is, like, banging on the windows and doing everything she can to get back in the house and take care of you. Like, she's the MVP. Yeah, and she, you know, and she knew. She was like, I'll just come pick you up. Like, I'm not going to spend the night there. I'll come get you. You can spend the night with me. But, you know, she gets there and all hell is breaking loose. And, yeah, (laughs) But she really, she really tries, and it, yeah, it really is nice to see her to see her try. But she had that great line, didn't it? One point two when they were shopping, where she says something. She's like, "I know we're supposed to be feminists." <laughs> yeah, she but... talks about women's live. <laughs> I feel the women's yeah. live. Yes. <laughs> You know, I I wish oh, this movie Jack. had turned out a little different. Like, I'm, I'm I love the way this movie is, but like, I was while I was watching, it's like, man, I just want them two to be like divorcees out in the town, like leave their their husbands, leave her husband that's nicknamed Genghis Khan, and sh- she leaves her husband, and they just go gallivant across, you know, with their with their husband's money. That's what I wanted to see. Do you know what? You just made me realize we got to write what happened to Joan after this. Seriously, it <gasps> sent Joan on some self discovery. Yes. to us, yeah. Yeah, I think I think we need to work on Joan's movie now. I think we yeah. do. I need to, and I like, and she's dedicated her life to paranormal research now, and she's the first woman in the seventies yes. to run a paranormal. Re- All right, here, here it we is. Go. Here's the movie. <laughs> let's let's do movie? it. Podcast over. Let's go write yes. this movie. Yes. <laughs> oh my goodness! Every couple of episodes where I'm like, I have a movie idea, but it's so ridiculous. <laughs> but it's like that would be incredible. There's no, let me tell you, there's no ridiculous. There's, you know what I mean? Like I, there's, you never, I, I've seen, we've all seen some movies and like anything goes, I think never, never judge. One of my favorite movies this, this last year was called Slacks. Slacks is so good. fucking rules. Right? Like there is no... There is nothing too crazy. The pair of pants are the Bollywood dance. It's so good. It's just wonderful. They were just some mad pants. 
And I just to listen to our that. episode on that because yeah. we did talk with the director of that. Oh, you mm-hmm. did! Oh, I have to hear. She's, oh, you did! Yeah. Oh, she is incredible. Right. She was. She was fab. She is incredible. Oh, I loved that movie. That and I loved uh, Pig. Oh, I have this, heard yeah. Pig is really good. Mary Beth has seen it. I haven't seen it so yet. Don't get me started on Pig. Pig has a very special so place in my heart. <laughs> yeah. We talked to the costumer of that though too. We didn't realize it what? at the time, but like, oh, we, did. we talked to uh, Hannah. Yeah. Was it Hannah? Yeah, Big. that's cool. Yeah. That was a great movie. So that's what I'm saying, though. You know, anything goes. Um, I crazier the better. I am curious about the the monsters. Do you remember them as a kid? Did they did they scare you when you actually saw them? Because they're, you know, I mean, they obviously have kind of aged a little bit. Some of it kind of looks a little silly now, but like I think they're kind of that cute, creepy vibe going on yeah you know what's so funny to me is that that i didn't remember um i I remembered them obviously a little bit creepier than than uh i mean they're still very creepy but i I remembered them a little bit more um scary Mm -hmm. than uh, than they were because my favorite thing is like there was like a short one like they weren't all the same size and i thought that was i was like they're you know that was really funny not funny but it was just interesting that they they weren't uniform you know, they had the little personalities uh, they, that came mm-hmm. out. Like, yeah, it, it's just they had little personalities, which was weird and cool. But that made them even creepier because they were not just monsters, yeah. but like little sentient beings that were very aware of what they were doing. Like they were chatting, like don't kill her yet. He's like, well, can I hurt her a little? And like, I don't. It was just so weird. I was like, oh no, they're they're like hu- they're humanoid. Like this is very bizarre yeah. and uncanny. Yeah, like what? <laughs> Agreed. Like they were not like I loved that they talked because a lot you know other times they don't, monsters don't talk and and it was just you're right that they had a personality that they were like discussing what they were going to do to her is also really awful. Yeah, and they're mean. Yeah, Ugh, and they're nasty. Mean and and yeah. And what are they? I mean, they wanted her soul. Like they wanted to continue this thing, but they didn't really. They weren't doing much other than just sort of collecting souls. And then when she's like, you know, becomes one, and it's like we just wait. You know, we just well, there'll be someone Better else. Time. It's like, and then does she become like? And is one of them her grandfather? I was wondering, wondering the same yeah. thing. Was one of and like does he remember her or does he not? Like is her memory or like is the memory kind of set back to zero when you become one of these things? Yeah, so I don't. I, I know I, I my guess is like maybe not which is sort of sad because at least she would have that but but then that's also you know an interesting point too is like you know the fact that one was a family her grandfather so then then that you're sort of there was no in a weird way there was no escaping mm-hmm. it yeah you were, she was destined I mean she was really destined to yeah. to to go and it's sort of sad when you think about it. like she really was sort of set up for failure and this reminds me of fairy stories like of mm. fairies specifically and like fae mm. folk who are known for like kind of fucking with you and playing with you kind of like playing with their mm. prey um i really love like fairy folklore and a lot of it's in like irish and british movies but i this one had the fairy vibes of her of them like, they love to steal people and like take a prey like take a price basically so i i kind of viewed them as a little fairy fucked up fairy creatures more than anything else because they had that vibe of like what their intentions were and how they liked to be tricksters and nasty like not just do the thing right away but like really scare some yeah it's, they're so terrible and they didn't their mouths didn't move but oh. i don't know if they, you know they didn't they didn't 
have mouths. I just sort of, Oh, I didn't even think yeah, about that. I, I don't know what that, if that was just a budget thing, but I was like, Oh, it's creepy though. Like regardless talk. of whether, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I do think there is sometimes where it's like budget actually, or like lack of a budget can actually make things even, even creepier. And this is one of those moments where it's like, yeah, they probably couldn't afford to do the mouth movements or like do that kind of stuff. But it's, it gives it a very like uncomfortable edge to it that I think that this movie, I think this movie, what it does better than anything else is create sort of like a an oppressive mood and it it starts it from the very beginning with you know we we kind of talked about the kind of creepy house but the way this movie opens where the camera is like pouring in and you just expect it to be sort of like a you know a hammer movie or like the you know the 1930s like universal monster movie where it's a creepy house and there's like fog and stuff and there's a craggy tree out front and all you hear are the whispers of like will she come it's just a matter of time but like it's that vibe that is established from the opening frame and it continues through the entire movie and i think that i was thinking about this in particular because last year i guess it's two years now almost we we talked about um another made-for-TV movie from the 70s, uh, Salem's Lot. And when we had talked about that movie, uh, I had found an interview with Toby Hooper, who was talking about, you know, because he's known for Texas Chainsaw Massacre, you know, eventually going on to do Poltergeist. And this movie is so different from, that movie is so different from those because it was a lot more restrained because you're making it for television in the 70s on broadcast television. And so there's that, he he's like, you had to be more on like tone and more on suspense and that kind of stuff than you were on anything else. And I thought about that as I was watching this movie, because it's the same way. This film has, you know, there's not a whole lot of on-screen violence. There's definitely a lot of suspense and there's definitely like that kind of um, atmospheric oppression that I think this movie shares with Salem's Lot. You know, I, I, what I find so co- cool about... Um, you know, the, the uh, cabin in the woods is is such a um, cliche. It, it's such a useful uh, uh, place for a movie because, it, like you said, it's you're you're alone. Mm-hmm. And what an interesting thing that you can have a house in the middle of a city and still be be so oppressed that you're still you might as well be in the middle of nowhere right. because it doesn't. It's almost it's worse. It's like you you if you just you know if if you just felt that you were able to leave you'd be okay but that she feels so oppressed and so alone that 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 she keeps going back to the thing that that's literally trying to to steal her away yeah she has nowhere else to go and that's uh you know she gets a little bit of reprieve when she goes out with joan to go spend you know the money but like that's about her only time that we ever see her outside of the house is the is that you know one moment the rest of it is pretty much she's stuck in this house not you know being completely ignored i am curious have you have either of you or both of you seen the the remake i have not well i remember this this movie was like one that like really affected Guillermo del Toro, who produced that movie. Um, there yeah. was like an interview with him on at usatoday.com where he was talking about how it was something close to his heart for a very long time. And he says that his brothers and my brothers and I would pursue each other in the house saying, Sally, Sally, a taunt used to torment Darby's character in the original. We thought the movie was the most terrifying thing on earth. And I want to honor what works so well in that film. And I was thinking about this, Mary Beth, because you talked about the, the fairy tale atmosphere aspect of these creatures. Mm-hmm. And he really leaned hard into giving them in the remake kind of a backstory as to what they're doing. And they are these little fairy tale oh. creatures. And so he kind of... I th- I remember it 
it being fairy. I remember seeing the ads and it being like they looked more like little fairies. I don't think the movie completely uh, that, worked, oh, but it had some really good moments in it, I thought. Yeah, I, you know, sometimes for me, I'm okay with not knowing. Sometimes I think it's scarier to not know why mm-hmm. someone wants to do something that, or some, you know, or, or monster wants what it wants. I think there's something scarier in just knowing that it's going to do it regardless, because it doesn't matter. Like, knowing, knowing, and knowing doesn't change what they're, you know, how, what they're going to do to you, I guess. Yeah. But yeah, there's something kind of interesting. And, and that like, is it just that this, um, this house was, is unfortunate and was like on the, some hell pit or something, you know? And that portal to, cause it was so weird. Like when they would, when they got in, they kind of look up and down. It just seemed to be this endless, you know, it was just this like, cavern it wasn't a real fireplace you right. know it wasn't a that's what yeah fireplace. i was just thinking about that because like it's a fireplace and you look in there and there's like no top and no bottom and you're like wait what what yeah what is this? where does it go where does it go yeah because uh yeah. <laughs> nowhere good i just love i would just love the good. idea of it being like a pass down from generation to generation the family's deepest secret that no one tells anybody else <laughs> they just <laughs> sacrifice somebody to the weird fairy pit every generation or yeah. something it's like it's almost like the grandmother had that like well i paid for i had to pay my student loans so, <laughs> so you all my granddaughter should pay him too yeah like i had to lose my husband so you're you know you're up next you're, you're gonna have to <laughs> yeah you're gonna have to someone in your family is gonna have to lose their soul like no thought for you know why can't we all be happy one thing that uh like I noticed on the on re, on watching this that like I was like I don't know maybe this was like a reshoot or something but did you all notice that when Joan was outside it looks like it's broad daylight when she's trying to break into the house mm, back in no, she's like outside know. and it is supposed to be like midnight it's middle of the night and she's outside because the creatures have cut the power and so the house is dark and she's outside while while poor uh, um, what's her name poor Sally poor Sally's on the inside and. It is like literally bright lights outside while she is moving around the house. And then it cuts to the husband driving and it is completely dark out. And I was like, oh, did this get a reshoot or how did, how did that happen? Because it was really distracting me. I was like, what is going on here? Did they just have like a big like spotlight on her to make sure that people could see what she was doing? I, I don't know, but no one else noticed that? Uh, you're right. Not, no, I don't think I noticed. I did not notice that, but... No. Huh. Yeah. Well, now you've ruined it for us. <laughs> Thanks, Cherry. Damn it. No, no, I don't like the movie. No, I, I didn't. I, I guess apparently I was too into it. To, I did not notice at all. Which, what is it? Um, but that did remind me of one thing, speaking of lighting, which I actually thought was quite cool, was how they the <clears throat> the the things had, like, they there was, like, a green light. Oh, the green light. Oh, yes. What a cool, I was like, wow, what a, I'm going to steal that. Like, what a great, 
little bit where, where it's like, even if you don't see it, but just to know, like it's sort of a Pavlov's dog. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh my God, the green light's there. Yep. Oh my God. Like they're here. You can't see them. I don't hear them yet, but the green light is here. Yep. I thought that was such a great. It was really cool. Vis- movie visual, you know, that they have a, that they have a, a, a light that, that surrounds them. But Terry, how many gaslit wives out of five do you give? Don't you know, be afraid of dark. I, this this movie surprised me. I had not seen it before. Um, I had seen the remake, and I thought the remake was decent. Um, so I wasn't really sure what to expect with this, particularly since it was a made-for-TV movies in the 70s. Um, but I have to say that it really worked for me. I love this, the creepy, cute creatures i love that oppressive atmosphere that it like the the it grabbed me from the opening scene from the very start of the movie i was like ooh, something bad is gonna happen and then it has a very dark ending because you know the thing is is that like i i think what made what like really made me kind of sad watching this movie for her is that i think we were seeing her on the cusp of trying to find freedom and trying to like get that autonomy and it ends with her getting dragged into something that is probably as bad, if not worse than being stuck in this, in this like same marriage. Cause she can't leave that house. She can't leave it. She's stuck here for eternity. And so I think there's something very dark about that, that I'm really surprised aired on ABC on this, in the seventies on broadcast television. Uh, so I think this, I think this movie is actually really, really well done. Um, some slight special effects aside, I think that it has aged incredibly well, um, I for me, I think it's a, a four unfortunate gaslit wives out of five for me. What about you, Mary Beth? I agree. I also think four gaslit wives. I was again surprised by this movie, a TV movie. It's really sad and just bleak. I did not expect this movie to be so bleak, and I love that because I love bleak films, and I love just how this one kind of was both fantastical and upsetting. And I just want to think more about it as like a folk horror movie. It feels like it has a lot of folk horror vibes. And I really enjoyed that. And as someone who is terrified of the dark and still is scared of the dark, this played on like my worst nightmare of like when the lights go out, something crawls out of the shadows. Like I will have this fear my entire life. I'll watch so many scary movies and they don't usually scare me. But for some reason, that's like the one thing in my noodle that's always stuck is terror. Like, as soon as the lights go off, something appears. And this movie was just like very much that fear. And it got to me in a way I was not expecting, which I loved. So when she wasn't, she wasn't safe anywhere, like taking a shower, they're they're creeping in, walking down the stairs, they're creeping in at a dinner table around like dozens of people. They're still tormenting her from the darkness. And they also know how to cut off the electricity. They know how to blow out candles. Like it's not like once they are in the light, they're paralyzed. Like they know how to turn things off you're not safe because they understand how all that stuff works. And so that's just like my nightmare scenario. So I love that. And I loved it. (laughs) But Suzanne, you have the final word. How many uh, Gaslit Wives out of five do you give this film? I agree with both of you. I would say four Gaslit Wives. I think that, that, um, yeah, I think we're all in in agreement on this. It really... It, it held up for me. It, it brought it, it brought back a lot of trauma. Um, no, <laughs> no, it really it reminded me of why I I 
it resonated so much for me and and um and I, I just thought it was a really interesting story and, and I and I got more out of it than I than I thought I would revisiting it and I'm so pleased that I did. We're cool. so pleased too. This was this was a, a good choice. Uh, so okay. so thank you so really much, Suzanne, choice. for joining us to talk about and kind of getting me to finally watch uh, Don't Be Afraid of the Dark. Where can our <laughs> listeners find you and what do you have coming up that you can share? Uh, oh find me. You can find me on Twitter. I don't tweet a lot, but I I stalk a lot. I'm not like, I like to read other people's tweets and like tweet and I respond to people if they respond, if they, if, if they reach out to me, but it's, it's at Suzanne Kiley and I working on a, a new movie, but I can't talk about it yet. I'm, I'm in the, the outlining stage and this is one, um, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's a horror. It's, it's awesome. a horror. Sweet. But I, yes, I don't, I can't, I can't talk about <laughs> can't it yet, understand. but, but hopefully you will see it at some point in the next year there you or go. so. Hell and yeah. listeners, the movie uh, Summer Party <laughs> Massacre is out on VOD. And if you wait a day, you can go get it on Blu-ray, which is I've already ordered it from Amazon. I'm excited. Hell yeah. So listeners, you've heard from us, but we want to hear from you. Uh, what was your experience with Don't Be Afraid of the Dark? Send us an email at scarredforlifepodcast at gmail.com or reach out to us directly on Twitter. I'm at NB McAndrews. And I'm a Gailey Dreadful. And of course, don't forget to follow the podcast on Twitter at Scarred Podcast. And please don't forget to review, rate, and subscribe. And if you listen to us on Spotify, you can now rate us on Spotify. So go out there and do it, please. Please. Uh, thank you to Eric Power. I'll do it. Thank you. Uh, thank you to Eric Power for our artwork. Thank you to Sean Keller for our music. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Please stay safe out there. But most importantly, stay creepy. And until next time. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about Wix. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. What is the briefing room? 
It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. Acast.com.